good time of the day, and welcome to another episode of And When I Say I Mean, I am your host, Adrian. And I am your co-host, Austin. <laughs> that makes me sound like I'm the lead yep. and you're the... Okay, well, that's that's how it'll be for this episode. Um, well, I blame you for saying host. Well, you could have also... You could have said I'm also the host. Doesn't matter. Anyways. Um, welcome to March. Um, if you live in the Northeast like Austin and I do, you're you're kind of confused that it's March because I don't know about you, Austin, but we got like a foot and a half to two feet of snow yesterday. Well, yeah, same, but that's about normal. So that's true, but I mean, for March, for me, that's about normal. Right. I I think for for people listening, maybe they're for not people used who to... don't live in Potsdam. Yeah, or New England. We had like a blizzard warning yesterday. The crazy thing is, I worked a full full day of work yesterday, even though there was a blizzard. Congrats. Yeah, I was not thrilled. I was kind of hoping to not go into work. But anyways, what else comes with March um, besides snow but basketball? March Madness. Mm-hmm. It is that time of year again. Um, have you filled out any brackets, Austin? Have I? No. I, do, are we doing a family one this year? Yeah. I, apparently your phone is just not working today. Um, not surprising based on last week's yeah, episode. but On my phone. Um, my phone is alive. Thank you very much. So, yes, we are doing a family bracket. Um, so far, it's just me, Mom, and Dad who have got our brackets in. So. Oh. I think you have until, like, tomorrow at noon or something like that. Okay. Um, so, no, I have not filled out a bracket. Well, anyways. Um, Did you email me? Never mind. This is not important. This isn't important. What, so, the other day, and by the other day, I mean, like, last month. We, almost a month ago, actually, we Was went that to... really? I think so, right? Uh, no. No, Three it's weeks. less than a month ago. We went to Pittsburgh to celebrate our nephew's first birthday. Um, shout out to Oliver. Shout out to Oliver. Uh, but this story really has nothing to do with Oliver. Um, no. Other than that was what brought Austin and I together. Anyways, so that weekend Austin told me that he's been watching a lot of Trevor Noah's stand-up comedy um, routines. Do you want to comment yep. on that? or? Uh, no. <laughs> okay, speaks for no, itself. No, he's a... Uh... He's a South African uh, comedian. He now hosts The Daily Show. Mm-hmm. His stand-up comedy is better, though. Anyways, the the one of the one of the stand-up routines he sh- he showed me was how Americans are just like insane when it comes to sports, um, and like specifically talking about sports stats. It's called Sports in America. Sports in America. You should watch it. We'll have a link to it. Just because any rendition that I'm going to try to do is going to be is, way yeah. less funny than what... His is great, so... <laughs> right. It's so good. But basically, the gist of his joke is that we spend so much time and energy figuring out stats of sports, like basketball, when to try to predict exactly what's going to happen in a sports game, which should be unpredictable. Um, mm-hmm. But then something like economics, which should be more predictable, we just have no idea. And even the stats for that are just just nonsense. And then he compares that to uh, not Americans right. watching soccer, which right. is the best part of the joke. But um, So I think we're going to talk about basketball and stats mm-hmm. uh, because as we established I like 538. I assume Adrian likes 538, and they love basketball. Yeah. We also love stats. Um, yeah. I was um, I was, was realizing the other day that I spend a lot of time actually just, like, thinking and looking at stats. Um, so I know basically nothing about basketball. That's not true. Um, but I, my basketball knowledge is pretty limited. Um but yesterday, I was watching some basketball and made the blanket statement that 
the stat that is the most defining to as to who will win the game is um, turnovers. So the team who has not true. The team who turns over the ball the most <laughs> will lose the game. Um, so this afternoon, I put that put that theory to the test. I was mm-hmm. filling out our family bracket and said, "Hey, what if I look at all the stats um, for who? Which team has the fewest turnovers?" And looked at every matchup and whoever, which of those teams had the least amount of turnovers, that team won. Um, surprisingly it wasn't all that terrible um there were obviously some upsets and one part of my bracket was just completely ridiculous and i was like this is never going to happen um so i modified it a little bit but all in all like it wasn't a terrible way to try to pick a basketball game although who knows all these picks could be wrong um moving forward um I don't know where I was going with that story, but anyways, that's me trying to use stats to predict basketball games. So, um, turnovers is not the most important stat. Uh, people do, people know what it is. Um, specifically, the people at 538 and elsewhere. Uh, I'm trying to find it, but I can't. Um, but it's not turnovers. It's like it's it's like a combination of many stats. Yeah, well, that's like garbage. Like. Of what? course, it's of course it's going to be a combination of many stats. Like, yeah, like, but that's not a single stat. I'm looking for a single stat, and okay. obviously you're not going to find a single stat. But I'm saying the stat that has the like single greatest effect on who will win the game is turnovers. Again, I really have no knowledge. This is just kind of. Anyway, so I, I'm going to disagree with. Not the fact that we know way too many stats about sports, but and not enough stats about things that are important. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna disagree that, uh, or I'm gonna say that the reason that we know so many stats about basketball is because it's much easier to do stats for basketball than mm-hmm. it is for the economy, which is his example. Because, mm-hmm. like, we all want sports to be random and fun. Uh, but especially a sport like basketball is not really. Um, there, so an actual article on 538, they talked about the rate of like upsets, basically, in different sports. Mm-hmm. And basketball is the least likely sport to have an upset because there's so much scoring. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so the teams that have the best scoring percentages just win mm-hmm. because you have so many goals. Mm-hmm. Um, it's harder for because it's basketball, but it, it's harder for a worse team to like sneak out a win because mm-hmm. there's there's so many points being scored that the better team is gonna rise to the top. Yeah, yep. And hockey is the team that is most likely to have mm-hmm. an underdog win mm-hmm. because it's low scoring, or it was until this season. Am I right? Yeah, for real. Uh, and unlike soccer, which is another low scoring sport. Breakaways are much more effective mm-hmm. in hockey than they are in soccer. So, um, I think the the reason we have stats and love stats is because they work mm-hmm. um, in in sports, in some sports like baseball and basketball, a little bit in football. But there's so much more going on for things that are important. It's harder to have meaningful stats for them. Right. So basically, my question, which I never got around to get to asking, I guess, which you're kind of answering already, but just for our listeners' sake, is that going off of what Trevor Noah is saying, do we care way too much about sports, which basically doesn't really matter? Sorry to all the sports fans out there. Mm-hmm. Um, do we care way more about that? and put way more time and energy into that than we do something like of actually importance, like economics. Although, even when I say that, I'm like, I mean, economics is pretty important. So, you're saying that the reason that we have so many stats about sports, specifically basketball, um, is that it's a lot easier to actually gain stats 
from that, and then also it's you can then see like correlation, and you can actually predict things based on those stats, mm-hmm. as opposed mm-hmm. to something like economics, where it's it's going to be much more variable. Yeah, uh, sports are much more like an experiment than uh, the economy is because you have like hmm. kind of you replicate kind of the same exp- like results over and over again. Mm-hmm. 538 was really excited when uh, LeBron went back to Cleveland because they could see his effect on the economy hmm. uh, of Cleveland because it was two discrete events. Um, it's not that's not super true, but it's like that's you you need a lot more coincidence in the economy to have like repeatable things, mm-hmm. and they're still not like very repeat like uh, repetitive yeah um versus sports where you intentionally have people play each other again Mm -hmm. or baseball like you isolate two players and you have them do the same thing over and over again Mm -hmm. so like baseball is the best understood sport that's why moneyball is a movie Mm um what's moneyball oh moneyball is a book by michael lewis who is uh, he was on Wall Street, and now he writes uh, smart books for dumb people. I don't like. I like Michael Lewis a lot, so I, like I don't want to call myself a dumb person, but or or other people a dumb person. Uh, but he his books are here's something that's really complicated. I'm going to try to explain it in a simple way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Big Short is another one of his famous books. Mm. Um, so Moneyball is his kind of first, that's not true, one of the maps, books that put him on the map. And it's about the Oakland Athletics and their their kind of turnaround playoff. They, I think they have like the longest winning streak in league history or something mm-hmm. um, because they use stats to say these are the players that we should we should pick up with the amount of like cap space we have right or the amount of money that do they even have salary caps in I, baseball i have no idea um but the movie uh, stars brad pitt as somebody and jonah hill as somebody else <laughs> jonah hill That's i think totally he won fair. like the best supporting actor at <laughs> actor did he really uh I think so, for that by, movie. By the way, this is, like, the most diverse you will ever see Jonah Hill. Like, uh, like not, like, racially diverse or anything. No, 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 like, diverse in his roles, like... Oh, yeah. Normally, he plays, like... I mean, I haven't seen him in a whole lot of things, but normally he kind of plays the same role, and this is a very different role for him. Yeah. This is kind of a side side note. He's not, like, an idiot. Right. He's He's the smart guy. Um. Oh, okay. He was nominated. Oh, okay. Nope. He was nominated for best supporting actor in The Wolf of Wall Street. He was never mind that movie. Don't watch um, it. So anyway, that's what winning ball is. So, baseball is a sport that we understand really well, and I think it's it's it it's because it's basically an experiment every time mm-hmm. someone's up to bat. Mm-hmm. Um. And you need repeatability and, like, experimental conditions to really have meaningful stats. Mm -hmm. And you absolutely do not have that in the economy. Right. And I think that's actually a really interesting point. It was, like, thinking about, like, both things as a experiment. So, like, thinking about basketball, even, like, basketball is is in a very controlled environment. There is, like, hardly any variable. So, yeah, again, thinking Mm -hmm. about an experiment... Like, if you want to actually figure out what is causing something or, or you're trying to use a scientific method, you're going to try to limit all these variables and get it down to just, like, a few things so that you can kind of say, okay, it's not this or it is this. Um, and so, like, basketball, the, the, the court doesn't change sizes. The, mm-hmm. the, the hoops are always the same height. You know, all these things are the same. The the only variable really is like the players, um, yeah. Which even still from game to game, are going to change a little bit, but not a whole lot. Um, and which also explains why 
like hockey would be a much harder to predict game than basketball would be because like the bounces of the puck are going to have a lot larger influence on the game than like the basketball bouncing Mm-hmm. The basketball doesn't normally bounce in weird ways. It does like it does on like the rim and like you know sometimes, but like again it goes back to like the large amount of goals that are yeah. scored. A and, weird bounce isn't gonna turn a game in right, basketball, right? Where a weird but bounce it, in hockey it could in hockey. do that. So then you think about like the economy, right? And like the, or like take take football, like yeah. There's not a lot of great stats. Like, there's a lot of stats for football, but there's mm-hmm. not very predictive stats mm-hmm. for football because there's so many variables. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, but, I mean, you have so many variables, like, that aren't even controlled by anyone, right? You have, like, mm-hmm. different stadiums. The di- different stadiums are very different. You have weather conditions. Some are inside. You have more people outside. on the field. Right. Um... But then, and then sorry, scale that to the economy. Right. So, like, what are like, what are some things that actually affect the economy? Like, what are some of those variables? Because, like, I think it's kind of hard for me to try to wrap my mind around like what would be in this experiment that is the economy. Well, ideally, so I've been doing a lot of uh, particle simulations for scattering of laser beams underwater. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, you want to say, here's the behavior of one particle. How does that lead to the behavior of all of the particles, which is possible for scattering because waves are nice. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, but that's, that's kind of the problem of economics. How do you say, how do you scale from one person's behavior, which is much more varied than scattering? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you scale that to seven billion people um and like you have to mix in governments and uh like consumer habits and media and marketing um and trade agreements Mm -hmm. and who's putting tariffs on whom uh so not not only are there just like there's a minimum of 7 billion individual, like, independent variables. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, unless you assume people on average act the same. Right. Which some people do. Eh. Even still, though, you're still fighting an uphill battle. Mm Mm-hmm. So, so you mentioned earlier the big short. Which is, I'm just... I didn't even think about that when we were talking about this topic, but it kind of fits into it, right? Yep. Um, so in this movie, we follow, I don't, uh, it's a book, apparently. It is a book. Um, it's good. I haven't read it, but I've seen the movie. So in this movie, basically, correct me if I'm wrong, sure. um, it's following the housing market crash of 2008. 2007, 2008. Okay. Um, and basically it follows like four, three or four groups of people mm-hmm. or individuals who are essentially predicting that this crash is going to happen and then end up making like a ton of money um, because they're able to predict that it's going to happen. Yep. Um, so really it's like Christian Bale's character who's kind of like the main guy who figures it out. I think his name is Michael Burry. Um, so how how because he used stats, he he looked at numbers and was able to figure out that this was going to happen. Um, so he did not look at stats. He read a bunch of loan agreements. Elaborate. So uh, basically, you have like bundles of mortgages that are bundled together, and then they're given some value. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he looked at the individual like agreements that made up these larger bundles that you can buy, which no one does. Um, and he realized that like all of them are bad or if not all of them, most of them are bad. Mm-hmm. So he didn't really use stats. He just went through and did like the tedious work that no one else did to actually look at what was going on. 
in a sense, though, isn't that kind of like a statistic? But not uh, really. Kind of. Yeah, I guess if you're saying, like, if this percent of uh, mortgages go bad. Um, but that's that's not, like, the predictive statistics of basketball. Right. You know what I mean? Right. But people people try to build models. Like, people aren't not doing things about the economy. Right. People still build models all the time. It's just uh, generally less interesting to most people and uh, way more, um, like, complex right. than sports. Mm-hmm. So, so basically... We are, there are people who are trying to use statistics, and not even statistics, but also like deduction, I guess would be more of what... And big data. Who's his name was doing. Yeah. Um, to like pre- predict the economy and, and trends in that way. It's not, it's not like we're completely abandoning it and just being like, nope, we're just going to put all of our time and resource into basketball because we can't, we can't do it. We do put a lot of time and resources in basketball, right. though. Well, that's just because, as America, we have a lot of time and resources. Yeah. And people like basketball. Yeah. So, so go ahead. Wow, that was synchronized. Um, I do think we spend too much time on basketball, mm-hmm. but I don't think we don't spend enough time on economics. That's if fair. that sentence made any sense. It it so to elaborate on that, and I think probably maybe what you're getting at is like the general public cares much more about basketball than they do the economy. Yeah, which probably isn't good. Yeah, so then that drives where money is, and mm-hmm. that's what people care about. Right. Call back to our Martin Luther King Jr. episode. Oh, yeah. Talking about where we put our money. I wasn't intending that, but... I just thought of it. So, so yeah, since we care too, so much about basketball, that's where a lot of our money goes. And sports in general. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, yeah. To me, sports are just easier. Uh, so, it's, stats are nice for them. Right. Makes because sense. Because they work out. Recently, I also tried to use stats to predict the Oscars. Mm-hmm. I, so far, I've done that for the last two years. Um, so far, I'm one for two, I guess, technically, even though the stats last year said that La La Land was going to win. You um, know there's more than one Oscar every year, right? Sorry. When I say the Oscars, I mean Best Picture. Um... That was the only thing that I was actually, like, trying to predict. Mm. Um, at least based on stats. So, like, I was able to... Anyways, it, it didn't really work. Probably because there's too many variables. Because it's not... And, the, and I think the other issue is, and my frustration with the Oscars in general, is that there's no, like, criteria for Best Picture. There's just kind of, like, what do we vote on? Like, it's just... It's just what people vote is the best movie who are part of the Academy. Isn't that better, though? And it's it's more about the artistic experience than about meeting certain criteria. Right. It is better. But for me, as a statistician, oh yeah, trying yeah. to accurately predict things, it's frustrating. And uh, so, yes, it is probably much better as an art form. Mm-hmm. But also... I think there still needs to be some criteria um, just because like this is probably getting into the weeds but a little bit but like I think a a a part that is not necessarily looked at in the Oscars enough is the like the actual fact that it's they're telling stories through film as opposed to doing it through different media um, so like 
what about this movie? The fact that it's a movie makes it better than this other movie that it's a movie. So, for instance, The Revenant, which I thought was, like, fantastic visually and did, like, really cool things that you could really only do in a movie, um, but didn't get rewarded. I mean, it's, I think it won cinematography, so it still won an Oscar. So, anyways, this is probably doesn't make any sense, and it's probably way off topic. But, the point is, stats, you can't necessarily predict the best... Your your stats are going to be most effective when it's in a smaller environment, when you're mm-hmm. when you're when there are much less variables, and you don't have so many different things that could pull your yeah or things obey another. like physical laws, but that doesn't happen much outside of physics, right? Um, so. I I got a weird request. I thought it was weird anyway to talk about Russia more. Do we want to do that? Yeah, let's do it. I was Okay. I was surprised as well. I thought that people were going to be bored to death by that episode, but uh, some people that I heard from actually enjoyed it. So, so update, a lot has happened since we recorded that. Um the the day we released it uh, Vladimir Putin announced their invincible missiles um, that you you can't shoot down because you don't know where they're going. Um, I talked to a friend that I had from Russia. He said, it's true, you can never tell where Russian missiles are going, but not for the reasons that they say. <laughs> it's just they have no idea where they're going. Nice. Uh, so take that as you will. And then uh, by midnight tonight though I don't know what time it is in Britain, Theresa May demanded answers from Putin for using a nerve agent to, I mean, not him personally, but to kill a former spy in Britain, um, allegedly. Oh, I heard about that. That was a while back, wasn't it? No, it was just like two days ago. Oh, never mind then. Um, He also admitted to shooting down a Polish passenger plane in 2014. This is actually Putin. Mm Um. Uh, I think that about catches us up. So, kind of, yeah, kind of like, think he, things are. Uh, he, he's keep pushing the boundaries um, mm-hmm. to kind of see what they can get away with. Uh, Putin, or no, Great Britain has expelled like most of their ambassadors from Russia today. Hmm. Um, oh, also, uh, the Secretary of State was fired um some people say the tipping point was rex tillerson yeah um the tipping point was he him saying that uh russia is to blame for the death of this uh former russian spy living in the uk um i don't know if that's super confirmed i think the person who said it was fired um Hmm. But yeah, a lot of things are are going on, and they don't seem to be getting super better. Um, so, I I guess I wanted to say like not all of Russia supports Putin uh, or wants him to run the country. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the people who live in Saint Petersburg and Moscow or are under thirty um, support a. He's like a former blogger who, you know, writes about political corruption in Russia hmm. named Alexei Navalny. Uh, he was planning to run for president, but he was banned from doing so. Oh, um, yeah. I think I heard about mm-hmm. this guy. Were you talking yeah, about him? Probably. He, he's been, like, in Russian politics for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he ran for the mayor of Moscow and got, like, 34%, uh, which is shockingly high. Right. For, because all their elections are not super democratic. Um, so, but like he he was like worried that if he had run for president, like he would get assassinated, right? Yeah, the the Russian government allegedly assassinates a lot of people. Um, so he no, he wanted to run for president. He does have a suspended prison sentence, though. Mm-hmm. 
um, for like sp- spreading defamation about people in the Russian government, which hmm. like is his job, right? Um, and they, I think they also have his brother-in-law in prison, um, but they banned him from running for president uh, because of like his outstanding prison sentence. Interesting. Um, so the elections are clearly very fair and uh, open in Russia. Right. So think, yeah, things look bad, but people want change. There. Right. So, so you mentioned that this guy fits in with the people who are under thirty. Yeah. Which would be the the post Cold War, post Soviet Union. Yeah. People. So, so thinking back to our episode, you were talking about how like there's sure. Was that? I said sure. Um. So you said there there was like um. A group that was like trying to get back to how the Soviet Union was, but mm-hmm. then there's also kind of like the more like European pro people. Where does this guy fit in? Navalny. Mm-hmm. Um, I would I would say pretty safely he wants things to be more Western. Yeah. Um, the internet does that to people in general. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why a lot of people make moves to stifle the internet. If like, if you want to be a good dictator, yeah, that's a good place to start. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of a mixed bag there because the '90s were very bad for the Soviet Union mm-hmm. or the former Soviet Union. Uh, they faced like a lot of like really rough economic times. Mm-hmm. Um, Boris Yeltsin. Uh, was the president um so he is very unpopular mm-hmm. even like for people who grew up in the 90s um they just remember that as a as a time of like really hard times um so yeah for for people who are older that's really like oh we tried to open up and be more like everyone else and look where it got us mm-hmm. um so that's recent enough where it's still kind of in everyone's m- like collective memory yeah so even if you if you don't want authoritarianism there's i i i think there's still like a sense of uh dissatisfaction with russia's current position in the world mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Well, good. Any other final thoughts on the Russia update? Um, oh, I did learn there is a there's actually a uh, ambassador in Ukraine right now. Mm. Um, I forget her name, but there is open ambassadors in Georgia and uh, Tajikistan. So. I don't I even go there. know where Tajikistan is. So. Tajikistan, it's in like Central Asia. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's with all the other stans. So. Right. Right. Um, so I can't be ambassador of of Ukraine. Well, maybe maybe the position will open up. Yeah. Uh, but that. That's all I have to say at the moment. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think if the rate of things are escalating now is, I don't think is great. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully, I don't. There's not a lot to update in the future. Hopefully. All right, and are we ready to move on to? Yeah. And, and We're doing I, a grab bag today. It is. It's it's just a kind of a grab bag, but I kind of dig it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. In other news, um, Stephen Hawking has passed away at age seventy six. Seventy six. I think I saw it was. Um, obviously, a big figure in the realm of sci- uh, physics. Mm-hmm. Um, and Austin, since you are studying physics. Yep. Um, what what are just some of Hawking's like 
big achievements or or what has Hawking's done for not only physics but kind of just like everyone that we wouldn't even really think about um so basically i'm gonna say that he changed the way that i I would say people view the world but that's not true it's like he has changed the way physicists look at the world Mm -hmm. um which still takes some work to do uh so his his career is mostly about black holes Mm um he started in like the 60s uh, started his like scientific career um, working on like geometry of the universe and black holes um, so at the time it was still in like a pretty open question uh, about is the universe constant and last forever or did the universe start um, so him and some other you know collaborators pretty well proved that um, Expanding on, interestingly, some um, Catholic astronomers who said, oh, because of how the universe uh, is expanding, uh, or, like, based on Einstein's equations, Mm -hmm. uh, the universe started sometime. Uh, Oh, he also predicted that the, or, like, proved, maybe, postulated that the the universe will end uh by being devoured by black holes so uh not great Mm-mm. uh interestingly though he also changed some of what people think about black holes cuz uh normally you know how people say that uh nothing escapes from black holes mm-hmm. not true uh hawking radiation comes from black holes so named after Stephen Hawking. Uh, So if you don't know, uh, the vacuum is the weirdest thing probably in the the universe. Um, We say it's nothing, but it's not really. Uh, There's what are called virtual particles that appear. Um, So that's... You just kind of have, like, energy fields rippling in the vacuum. And sometimes they get enough energy to produce a particle. Uh, so they produce one particle and one antiparticle. So normally those that antiparticle-particle pair annihilate, and they only exist for a very brief amount of time. So that's why they're called virtual particles, because they're not really real, mm-hmm. uh, but they're kind of real. Um, and that's how... Uh, Think you need virtual particles for, like quantum electrodynamics to work out. Um, I'm not even gonna ask what that is. Uh, so, Stephen Hawking says, what happens if you have a virtual particle pair that appears on the event horizon of a black hole? Mm-hmm. One of those particles is gonna pass the event horizon, and it's never gonna come out. The other particle is not going to cross the event horizon, and since it won't be able to reach its anti-pair, right. it won't annihilate. Right. Uh, so then it'll just be a, like a, a real particle flying off of this black hole. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is observed. Um, black holes do uh, output information, is how people say it. Um, because it's it's based on like the surface area of the event horizon hmm. is how much Hawking radiation you have. Well, it, um, it's mm-hmm. it's not really if that's the case. It's the black hole's not really producing any information. Like it's not producing particles. Um, it kind of is. It kind of is, but it's not like coming out of the the black hole. It it kind of just shows you. I mean, it's kind of a big deal, I guess. It kind of just shows you where the event horizon is of this black hole. Well, no, those, those, you would never see anything, like, you wouldn't measure anything being there if there wasn't a black hole. Right. Um, so, they're kind of creating the particles. So, and when I say he changed the way physicists look at the world, it, like, that caused him to question the, the real nature of particles, because mm-hmm. imagine you're inside a black hole. That's and then 
Yeah. But you don't see the event horizon when you're in a black hole. Mm-hmm. Um, so you would s- observe the, that particle, antiparticle pair appearing and then being annihilated. Mm-hmm. So if particle existence depends on your frame of reference, does that mean particles are real or not? Uh, so if you've heard of the hologram theory, not to be, not to be confused with the, um, simulation theory of the universe, uh, Basically, the idea is we're kind of in a black hole that's slowly closing in around us uh, and that all the information of the universe is really on the surface area of the event horizon of expanding space-time, if that makes any sense at all. <laughs> it, it makes a little bit of sense, but... So, right, we... Uh we know pretty well that um, people just won the, the Nobel Prize for it, that the expansion of the universe is accelerating. So eventually, mm-hmm. everything's going to accelerate, accelerate fast enough that uh, things that are next to each other or like diff- parts of the universe will be moving faster than the speed of light from us. Um, so we'll never see anything from them ever again. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll never be able to reach them. So basically you have this event horizon, air quotes around that, closing in on us, but it's really everything else just moving away from us. Right. So it's kind of like we're in a like deteriorating black hole. Except even when everything around us starts moving away from us at the speed of light but faster, mm-hmm. we wouldn't die then as if we were in a black hole. Oh no, you would die. Why? This you you wouldn't feel any light from the sun. Um, Why aren't we also moving in the same direction? Because everything's expanding out from e- itself. Hmm. Yep. And like the if like if you blow up a balloon. Mm-hmm. And if you draw two points on the balloon, they don't they expand but they don't expand closer to one or the other of the points. Okay. But in this case, the Earth and the Sun are very, very close to each other on this balloon. Yeah, yeah. So it would take a long time okay. for that to happen. Like, probably the Sun would run out of energy before that. Right, so. right. So, uh, and he, he wrote a lot of best-selling books somehow um we didn't mention it but he had um uh mls Mm -hmm. or no lou gehrig's disease uh so he he's been like communicating through twitching his cheek for years Mm -hmm. uh and somehow he still managed to change physics and write a bunch of books yeah um such as the brief history of time so he yeah he is an amazing physicist um and like amazingly did that despite his mm-hmm. kind of very debilitating disease so. mm-hmm. yeah and like outlived it a lot longer than what yeah. he was like predicted yeah to he be. was diagnosed at 22 mm-hmm. so if you want to know more about Stephen Hawking uh, f- first, I would recommend Kip Thorne's textbook, Gravity. He just won the Nobel Prize, too. Because mm. um, you, you kind of need that to understand a little bit anything of what Stephen Hawking did. So Sounds good. Or you could watch the movie The Theory of Everything. Well, that's just about his life and not like his work, right? Right, but I think to a lot of the listeners that might be more interesting. Oh. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I don't want to speak for everybody. Eddie Redmayne's in that, right? Yeah, and so it was it was I don't know if ironic is the right word, but they just released the new trailer for Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Oh it. yeah. Like, almost the exact same day, and I was like, because now, I so I, I watched, like, the first half of that movie on an airplane and then fell asleep. 
the theory of everything. Yeah. So, I don't actually know if it's a good movie or not, or whether or not to recommend it. It was kind of like, from what I saw, it was kind of like a documentary that was pretending it was the actual movie. Um, was the first half good? Mm, eh. mm. I don't know. I was that, re- that is not glowing. No. I mean, it was interesting. Anyways, what was I saying before that? Uh, Fantastic Oh, Beasts. yeah, and so now I always, like, Eddie Redmayne is always just Stephen Hawking in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, oh, wow. This is kind of ironic. Also watch Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them on an Airplane. Also. Oh. Eh. The guy who's playing Dumbledore seems good. I didn't know that he was in the movie. I didn't actually watch the trailer. Oh, okay. Anyway. Uh... Do you have anything to recommend? Are we, unless we want to talk more about Stephen Hawking. I I don't have anything else to add unless you do. No, I, I still I can't believe his cheek controlled all of his speech for mm-hmm. years. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Anyhow, do you have anything to recommend? Um, that's a great question. If you have something, go Thanks. first, so uh, then I can formulate sure. my recommendation. Uh, I've been busy this week. Um, I'm trying to write a paper for a conference. Um, I, paper's going pretty well. Uh, it wasn't over this weekend, but now it is, so that's good. But I have not uh, been able to spend time reading a lot of things that I traditionally read. Mm-hmm. But I did listen to a article called The Last Temptation published on, you guessed it, The Atlantic. Um, nice. And it's really good. Uh, the Last Temptation, how evangelicals, once culturally confident, became an anxious minority seeking political protection from the least traditionally religious president in living memory. Uh, that's the the beginning headline. But it's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy is, the guy writing is an evangelical. Um, and he's talking about kind of the origin of that as a group and as a term uh, and its history and where it is now and why it's there. Um, and they they talk about uh, like pre and post millennialism. So it's it's wow. really uh, like he's, he's shown his credentials there. Yeah. So Hits everything it sounds like. Yeah, it's great. I remembered my recommendation. Bueno. So, I think I mentioned it during our board game episode, but me and some friends from work have created a board game club where we play board games once a week. Although we didn't this week because usually we do on Tuesdays and Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. we just got a ton of snow. Um, but anyways, a game that we've been playing there, which is I've really enjoyed, is a game called Mechs vs. Minions. Uh, it's actually a game created by the same company that made um, League of Legends, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, but anyways, they made a really good game. Uh, basically, in this game, you are controlling a mech, and it's a... Um, That's like a robot. Yeah. Um, it is a cooperative program programmable game. Um, so you're all working towards the same goal, and in order to do your goal, you're creating this, um, like, chain of commands, essentially. So, like, you have commands that say, turn right 90 degrees, or turn 180 degrees, or move forward two. And so, each round you draw a card that says something like that, and then you have to put it in one of your slots. And then, at the end of, or, yeah, at the end of your turn, you move your mech, as the you have created your program so it'll like move forward and then turn and then you like will attack an enemy or something like that so it's really fun you have to kind of like think ahead about where you want to put things into your your line your program line um and things are going to get messed up and you also have to interact with the other players which are going to be doing lots of things that might get in your way but anyways it's a it's Mm -hmm. a fun game that's like it has. I feel like it has a pretty 
I, I always get this wrong. It's like a low floor, but like a high ceiling. I don't, I don't know. So it's like that's that sounds right. It's like it easy. <laughs> it's easy. It's easy to learn, but there's also like a high skill cap. Yeah. Like you can still kind of put a lot of a lot of strategy into it, which is I think like kind of a, the basis for a good game. Fortunately, it's kind of pricey, but it's it's a well manufactured game on top of that. So, anyways. Max versus minions. If yeah, if, if you say that sounds fun, it is sounds fun. fun. <laughs> did, is, did it not sound fun when I was describing it? It's it's like a programmable board game that just sounds like punishingly nerdy. <laughs> it, it it is. I mean, the fact that we have a board game club that should just tip you off that it's already gonna yeah be nerdy enough. So, well, anyway. I shouldn't bash your recommendations. No, you just were talking a lot about Stephen Hawking and said a lot of things that I I didn't understand. So, well, anyway. Anyways, thanks for joining us. Yeah. Also, um, I was thinking about it today just because of a few people have like reached out to us about things, talking about things. Um, we do actually have a blog that you can comment on. Um, oh. and it's, and when I say, I mean, dot blogspot.com, you can go there, you can comment on the episodes and also find like links to all of the things that we're referencing. I'm also going to create an email account. And when I say, I mean, at Google or at gmail.com, all lowercase, um, that if you have like articles or or stuff that you want us to talk about, you can send it to us. No guarantee we're going to talk about what you send us, but mm-hmm. I, I, we'll at least put it out there for people um, who are interested. Has anyone left comments so far? Uh, there has been. There's There's been one comment, so... Oh. Wow, I am behind. Yeah. All so. right. So, thanks for, thanks for joining us. Feel free to comment i guess yeah if that's something you desire don't feel like you have to either we're not pressuring you okay that's all we have for today yep see you Uh, next week yep see you next week